0: horror and fantasy films have often been dismissed as exploitation as if exploiting a film was something shameful far from it being a sin exploitation is essential the audience has to know about it that involves key elements that are often missing in films of today i'm christopher lee join me for 100 years of horror
1: you go for the last week I took a week off me and the lady went down to Florida and we went to the Disney World Resort area and I was telling you some of the adventures so Disney World has a they have an outdoor shopping area called Disney Springs they just remodeled it it's very nice I've never been to it before. It's nice restaurants shops.
0: Kind of like the Universal Studios Walk or whatever? Yes, like
1: the City Walk that they have in Universal Studios. They have a giant four-story Coca-Cola store. I mean, four stories. I love me some Coke, but uh, four stories of Coke is a lot of Coke. Yeah, and it was not a very impressive building. And, you know, I'm an American. I like Coke. So I went inside to see what they had. We got to the second floor, and they had a big sign that said you can meet the Coca-Cola polar bear. They kind of made that like a Christmas character sometime in the 90s with those commercials of the digitally uh, animated polar bears. And he
0: really kicked off uh, recently, I would say in the last 10 years, with all the YouTube videos of this polar bear. Of this polar bear. Yeah. It's like
1: a 7, 8-foot costume of the polar bear with the red scarf. He blinks, and his mo- he doesn't talk or anything, but his mouth opens, and he's like this fully animated costume. Really cool. So I said, oh, I've seen the internet videos, like you mentioned. And I said, I want to meet this this bear. We got up to the third floor now. I mean, there was an entrance to him on the third floor. And there wasn't a soul in line. It was completely dead. The store itself was pretty dead because it's a fucking four-floor Coca-Cola store. Who are you marketing to? We get to the polar bear. No line. We walk in. The polar bear's awkwardly standing there by himself. He turns to us. He sees us. He gets all excited. He opens his little mouth oh, you know, it's Coca-Cola Bear. They go, oh, okay, you know, let's take some pictures and whatnot. So we walk up to him, and he immediately goes to my girlfriend, and he's hugging and making, I don't know, polar bear faces or whatever. Yeah. And I'm standing there. His back is towards me the entire time for a good 15 seconds. So I was like, hey, Coca-Cola Bear, it's so nice to meet you. Like, you look so, uh, like, fluffy. And he turns towards me, and he's just like, pulls me in, like, completely pulls me in, gives me a bear hug, and he, and he takes my head with his paw, and he presses it up, you know, for a tight hug, so he presses me in, and I hear a little girl's whisper come out of him, I don't know what it says, it was like a, like, it said something to me, but it pulled in my head extra close with my ear, like, towards it, you know, like, sideways, and, there was, a, like, a child's voice that came from inside of this bear. And then it stopped the hug, and I, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Like, I was it. whoa. What do
0: you do? <laughs> whoa. And
1: then, you know, the photographers are like, all right, picture. And the bear turned around with his Muppet head, and that was it. And I was like, all right, bye, Pol- like, bye. And, like, I left because I wanted to rush out of that room because I was freaked out. And, you know, oh, that was kind of fun. And it was like, no, this polar bear, like, it said something to me. It pulled me in and it whispered something and it wasn't a male, it was like a creepy child. For me when
0: Chris told me this story, it really disturbed me because there's actually a couple creepy pastas about, you know, the dark side of Disney, you know, after hours. And this being an actual story from my best friend, it really like weirded me out. So if anybody out there has anything similar about a mascot at Disney The fact that you were in the most obscure store, was it the the actor? Or was it a supernatural element? Something darker? Was this person under duress? What was going on? Like, what the fuck is going on inside the polar bear
1: at Disney World? At Disney Springs, the Coca-Cola store, the voice was dark and cold and refreshing. Much like that of a Coca-Cola. But I'll tell you what, Eric, I will never drink a Coca-Cola the same way, ever again.
0: It's a Live Podcast presents Shock Session. Brief horror-related topics brought to you by me or my equally
1: entertaining creepy co-host, Chris. But tonight it's not just presented by one of us, it's presented by the both of us. And ask each other some interesting questions, pick at each other's brains to better dissect your co-hosts.
0: Chris, we've been knowing each other for almost 15 years, and there's one thing that really kind of highlights who you are to me, and that's your fandom. What I want to know is, what was your introduction to horror, and what makes you a horror fan?
1: Um, I would say that I got into horror because it was forbidden fruit when I was a kid. It was something that I shouldn't be watching since sort of the juggernauts at the time were like Friday the Thirteenth and Freddy and stuff like that, the horror that I was allowed to watch though was the Universal monsters because my mom grew up watching them on with Spenguli and stuff like that, and then Son of Spenguli came in and he would play those movies, and my mom figured I'd be able to watch those because they're not gory and there's no nudity and they're not R rated things that would scar me for the rest of my life. So that was kind of my first. That was my introduction to horror movies. And that's why, I mean, obviously until this day, why I hold the Universal Monster so dear to my heart. I'd say later on in my life, I was sneaked a lot of, my cousin would sneak me a lot of Friday the 13th movies and Freddy and stuff like that.
0: And that's what I want to get into, because the kind of backdoor introduction to yeah. brutal horror, you went from a mild experience to pretty much blood, guts, and sex in horror. So tell us about
1: that. I remember the first horror movie that I remember. I'm trying to piece it together and I think it was The Intro to Dream Warriors. I remember my cousin one morning sneaked it to me. He would spend the summers with us and I remember he was like, "Hey, like you want to see something really cool?" and we would have we my grandma had HBO. He would tape all the movies off of uh, HBO. I remember I watched maybe the first five minutes and my grandma caught us and she came in and was, like, screaming. She's like, why are you showing this to him? Don't show this to him. And she turned it off. Were you captured by what you saw in those Yeah, I was intrigued by was it. Were you
0: scared? Or? No, I
1: was intrigued by it because I, I knew that, like, he would watch them all the time and he got a kick out of them. So I was like, oh, I want to be a part of this. And I knew the characters because of hammy downs and stuff like that. So it's like I just wanted to see them in motion and see what they did exactly. And I want to say the first movie I actually Friday the 13th, The New Beginning. Um, it was randomly taped on a VHS, and I remember I grabbed it because it was ta- it was taped with Monster Squad, Skull Cowboy, and Friday the 13th, The New Beginning. And I would always fast-forward through Skull Cowboy to get to Monster Squad. And I remember I was home alone that night, and I said, like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to watch this adult horror movie. <laughs> but uh, that was, like, my earliest memories of taking in a horror movie. Again, I wasn't scared, Uh, I was always intrigued by it. I was intrigued by the special effects, the -the over-the-top characters. It was something I hadn't seen before. From then on, I would sneak things, and then I would just get older, and I would just... I'd say the first movie that I actually sat down in the original Halloween was probably the first movie where it was like, this is a good one, you know, we're gonna, like, watch it because it's really good. It's a classic, so, like, I watched it, and I was like, wow, that was amazing. And so, in your case, what was sort of your introduction to the horror genre throughout the years?
0: Well, for me, I know my first ever movie that I've ever seen, uh, Hellraiser.
1: I can't believe that. It's such a fucked up movie to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember we were, I was living with my mother in, the, in a garden basement uh, apartment in Chicago. We were eating Wonder Bread and cold hot dogs. We would wrap it up, and I remember the blood and the gore behind it, but it didn't disturb me. It was, it was more fantastical. I, I didn't freak me out. Which is weird. Hellraiser for sure was my uh, first movie I ever saw, and that was on VHS. When I got older, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, I would watch those on VHS. When I used to live with my grandmother, we would watch those in her basement. You sat on the floor in the in the basement, and that's how I you know watched the Nightmare on Elm Street series. But the one thing that always got me, one of the characters was turning on the faucet, and the faucet turned into Freddy's claws and grabbed. Her hand and then cut her wrist.
1: Yeah, that's Dream warrior. right? Yeah. Okay,
0: so we just talked about that. You had that moment too. Yeah. But I remember I was actually afraid of that, and that's just because her wrist got slashed. That really freaked me out. Throughout you know my years, horror was always kind of in the picture. So when I watched Wizard of Oz for the first time, I was terrified of the monkeys. So no matter what movie I watched as a kid, I always found something to be afraid of. And then, uh, as you know, Chris, we were friends and we met in high school and stuff. Horror became uh, something for me as a escapism and a fascination. It was like, man, I can do this. I love horror. I can write this. And one of the big things in high school that, as you remember, was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. For me, yes, I would uh, devour that, and just the, the greediness and the. The blood and guts, and that was during the uh, you know the uh, splat pack era with Eli Roth coming out with Hostel, Rob Zombie coming out with House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I saw Greg McLean's uh, Wolf Creek in theater in high school. I soaked in horror so much as an art form that uh, that eventually bled into you know wanting to own. Posters and things like that. Posters,
1: t shirts, yeah. Right. That and fandom kind of comes Right. In.
0: So, my fandom as a kid, I never had, like, as a 10 year old, 12 year old kid, I never had horror. Posters, t-shirts, or anything like that. It was only in high school when you used to work at FYE and used to snake me some horror merch. I mean, you gave me the life-size cutout of Leatherface. I had Freddy. (laughs) I remember you gave me Friday the 13th poster, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, and the original poster you gave me.
1: I think a lot of that that you're mentioning sort of happened because I essentially found someone where it got so horror got so big was because i found someone who i could bond with over it you're weird if you like horror movies right that's something yeah. that you can always tell your parents is like you like horror movies Ooh, you're a ser- serial killer you're a weirdo why do, you, why do you like horror movies so much you obviously want to kill someone because you like these horror movies When it's not that it's just when i first seen horror it was a new sensation the type of entertainment i hadn't seen before i wanted more of it it was looking behind the curtain And as a kid, you kind of look at them as these are what the adults watch. These are adult movies. And as you get older, you realize, well, not necessarily, but (laughs) to find someone that we could bond over, I could talk about bullshit about Freddy Krueger. Freddy became a huge part with us too. And, you know, I worked at um, Hawaii, which was a music and movie store. We would get tons of horror stuff in every Halloween and, The t-shirts I would give you, action figures, cardboard, giant cutouts, giant posters, that fandom was kind of being embraced finally. I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it or really get into it.
0: Right, exactly. And the cool thing about finding partner in crime, if you will, is me and you are both creative. And we took that interest and we were trying to create with fan films and stuff. We had a couple ideas of Doing a Myers horror film or a Freddy, and it really encouraged us to go back and forth and to write and to just basically be creative. So it was a pretty much a foundation before we, you know, realized that like friend. <laughs> For me, horror will always be a way to find the ground. When I'm having a bad day, pop in a horror movie. When I'm not grateful, pop in a horror movie. When I want to be creative, I'll pop in a horror movie. It is a way to find a ground when I kind of feel like I'm lifting off and, you know, floating and kind of
1: lost. Yes. Horror movies, depending on what era, makes me nostalgic for a time that I'd never lived through. And it feeds me creatively. It gets me thinking. It gets the juices, creative juices flowing. As always, I mean, it's a good bonding mechanism, too, because I'd say that the groundwork for our friendship was laid out by horror.
0: Yeah, horror and comic book.
1: And Star Wars.
0: And Star Wars. (laughs) Fifteen years, though, Chris.
1: Save your tears. I'll reap your soul.
0: When you were growing up, what one horror movie kind of kicked off your fandom? Something that you really embrace. Now it doesn't have to be a slasher film or it could be the horror comedies that came out in that time. To
1: this day you kind of you know, you hold close to your heart. Going very early would be not so much horror like the Monster Squad, Ghostbusters, where it's not really full-on horror. Halloween was the big boy adult movie where I kind of realized that, like, horror could be art. It could be a legitimately good film. The Nightmare on Elm Street series, which I really got into in high school, made me, like, go full fanboy for horror and with collectibles and t-shirts and everything like that. Where it was Now, just-
0: what was it? Most every horror fan leans that direction yeah what was it that really kind of captured your attention because i remember you telling me a couple years ago that you were never afraid of these icons of horror you never got creeped out or disturbed by myers or or jason or or freddie what caused that why weren't you disturbed by
1: these these icons I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I think um, you know. Especially Freddy was like a mythos. You know, he had so many movies, and you know, each one continued the story. So it was his story. So it was more. Yeah, it was more of like a journey where it was like
0: because you were aware of him before. Yeah,
1: everybody knows Freddy Krueger, and everybody's like, oh yeah, he kills you in your dreams. He's got the glove. You know, everybody knows Freddy Krueger, but it's like
0: so the marketing took effect yeah when you
1: get through it's like oh i you know i didn't know alice cooper played his dad and i didn't know that you know this one was in 3d and i didn't you know know the character of of kirsten and how she goes into dream you know you know your little parts that like casually know by seeing the movies on and off but to kind of follow each one rewatch some you remember a lot of things like i remember seeing this part when i was little you know and i remember this part and it was the first horror series that really captured me with halloween i was always kind of the Halloween film I always held in such a high regard, but I never really got into the sequels until I was much older. And I appreciated them now, I think, more than ever. But Freddy was kind of like that Elvis, larger than life horror character that.
0: See, that's funny that you bring that up because I knew what Elvis was before I knew who
1: Elvis was. Yeah. So, Eric, what would you say kind of flipped. The horror switch for you made it more than just a genre of movies. Made you kind of latch onto it. I remember in the early two thousands watching
0: movies like Fear. dot com, Darkness Falls. Those movies disturbed me as a kid. You know, post nine eleven with the splat pack that really opened my my eyes. With that being said, I would seriously credit your accidental persistence with introducing me to tcm texas chainsaw because i wasn't a fan of the original i used to walk to blockbuster i used to rent all sorts of horror movies random ones you know i i rented texas chainsaw the original it took me three or four times to watch the whole thing completely because it was so freaking boring to me when the remake of texas chainsaw master came out i was blown away by that movie. I thought it was the best film I ever saw. And you kept on introducing me to the original film, Uh, a cardboard cutout. You gave me the original poster. Then you eventually gave me, if you remember, you eventually gave me the original film. I watched it and something clicked into me where I understood that this was a reflection of Vietnam. It was a reflection of history. It was a reflection of what our culture as Americans were going through. And all this information was hitting me. And suddenly, a movie that took me four times to watch, to sit watch, and I couldn't get enough of it. I was enthralled with the cultural significance of that original Texas Chainsaw. I would seriously credit your accidental persistence in pretty much giving me breadcrumbs to
1: TCM, the original because it took me forever to watch that movie. I hated that job, and I almost think about not having that job, because I basically ran it like a video store. Take any movie from there, watch it, and then like put it back on the shelf for sale the next day. And it was all horror, because I remember working there on Halloween, like just the tons of shipments of horror movies we'd get in, and I'd be unpacking them and being like, oh, I never seen this one, or I forgot about this one, and just taking them and watching them. And I think about the influence that had uh, on myself, the influence it had on you. And it was like, I'm so glad that I had that job, even though I, I hated it at the time. And I still don't fondly look back at it. But, I mean, now that we kind of talk about our experiences with horror, I wouldn't be in the same place from a from an interest standpoint. I don't think the horror genre would have the impact that it has on me today.
0: It was a gateway for both of us. Yeah. I also do remember, I believe it was 2006... I went to flashback weekend for the first time and I was really really into Wes Craven at the time. And I'm not talking about Nightmare or Scream Wes Craven. This was Hills Have Eyes. I think in our group of friends I introduced the movie to everybody. Yeah. The Last House on the Left. I mean, and that, The
1: Hills Have Eyes you did too as well.
0: That was when I think I started turning more realizing the art behind the uh the horror I just wanted to do what Wes Craven did. I would feel bad if I didn't give Wes Craven and the credit, that feeling and that experience
1: because those movies were phenomenal. Personally speaking, I was the opposite. I didn't know Wes Craven besides Scream and the Nightmare on All Street series, like I didn't know I didn't really watch any other of Wes Craven's work or anything like that. So when you introduced me to those films, it was like, Oh man, Wolfie well did Nightmare, if he did Scream then you know, I'm gonna well, like they're these. so polar opposites. That's an yes, amazing Yes, they are, yes. Thing. And that's what I realized upon watching. I couldn't believe it was the same person. Well, when it came to horror, that was kind of our views on it, was that you were very much a, a purveyor. Mm-hmm. You were an explorer of horror. I kind of had certain genres I really liked. Uh, I liked monster movies, creature features, stuff like that, and I liked 80s horror. Because it's, it's such a broad genre that it's um, sort of, overwhelming if you will. Yeah, it's overwhelming to to take in everything because there's so much good stuff and there's so much stuff that may not be good but you may think is good and there's a lot to see. So, I was just kind of like, well, I'm going to attack what I love most and it's like I love creature feature monster movies and I love 80s horror and and 80s slasher stuff, so I kind of stuck there and you would always give me these throw me a, a dvd here and there and tell me about this or that to check out and i always loved what i seen so
0: my exploration kind of reminds me of like going into your parents bedroom you know looking under the bed and finding that inappropriate whatever yeah. and then sharing it with your friends because <laughs> that's what my interest was finding these uncomfortable you know glued to the screen of
1: how like brutal and over the top things were I think that's a, a interesting reflection because, I mean, you're talking about sort of 15 years of our history of our friendship, 15 years of sort of us building our horror knowledge together. I think it's interesting because even if you just go back to last year when we would, you know, when we show horror movies, have a little horror movie fest for Halloween, we still haven't changed in that aspect because it's like, you know, you pick The Strangers and Texas Chainsaw, which is more of like cerebral and and, and, Gritty. and something like the strangers where it's like this is real it's scary it's basically a snuff film and then i pick like monster squad and night of the comet yeah. or night of the creeps where it's like it's silly it's over the top it's kind of stupid it's kind of corny but that's pretty much pretty much our interest in horror and i love being able to trade with you because it's like you know what i like i know what you like and we can like trade and be like i think you'll dig this right, We don't have right. to weed through all this bad stuff here's something good and it's vice versa. To where it's like, you know, oh, Eric, here's Night of the Comet. And you're like, well, this is fantastic. And it's like, well, here's The Strangers. And it's like, well, that was really fucking disturbing to watch. (laughs) Thank you for showing me that. It's a great um, way to explore the genre. Sex is, well,
0: nobody knows. But the saw, the saw is family. Family.
1: So Eric, I'm going to just take a step away from the deep philosophical offerings that we've had, and I just wrote down some fun questions that we could shoot through that can kind of be interesting really quick here before we leave our listeners. Have you seen a ghost or anything unexplainable in your life? I don't have
0: any ghost stories or anything that goes bump in the night, but what I do have, I suffer occasionally from sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. And you know this mm-hmm. So there are times that I actually You know, I fall asleep and I wake up And I actually see figures um, Shadow people In the corner of my room Before I actually saw physical people I actually saw Overly sized spiders And I'm not talking about You know, tarantula sides I'm talking about spiders that would cover the entire wall And uh, for some reason that would ter- That turned into Physical people some of my girlfriends that I had I would be sleeping and I would wake up. I know one incident I woke up and I covered my girlfriend with my hand with my left hand and I you know to protect her and I raised my fist and I was looking at the the right corner of my room and I was ready to fight whatever was coming at me and they would have to wake me up. It's the weirdest thing because I would be sleeping but not sleeping. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I I believe it is just thoughts and memories mixed with light in the room from the windows. So I don't know where that came from. I don't know why. But uh, that's kind of my uh, glimpse into the supernatural and or things that go bump
1: in the night. Anything for you, Chris? So very briefly, I guess the one story, the unexplainable uh, story that I would talk about was when I was in fourth or fifth grade. My great grandmother passed away of natural causes. We had the funeral, we had the we had the wake, we had the funeral. Um we buried her uh in a cemetery and about a few days after her burial, my grandmother was saying how my great grandmother was appearing in her dream. She looked very young, how she kind of looked when she was healthy and she was saying that uh everything's good, everything's great, life is good. The afterlife is good, and um, but she was complaining about screaming and crying. She was saying there was screaming and crying. She couldn't sleep. My grandmother woke up. She told us, I believe she went to sleep again, and it was the same. She had a very similar dream where my great-grandmother came to her and said, you know, there's screaming and crying. That's preventing me from kind of moving on here. Like, got to stop it. We didn't, she woke up. She told us again. We didn't know, you know, what the heck she was talking about, and we went to the cemetery a few days later, put some flowers there, and we realized the grave next to her was two, two babies that were buried. They died at the same time on the same day, so I assume it must have been an accident or something that happened, but they are like one, one years old, like they're, they're babies. They died, I think it was around like the 40s or 50s, like it was a while ago. They went to a church and they got the, uh, a priest to say a prayer for the babies. They wrote their names in the prayer service for a church and they had the priest bless whatever holy water or whatever that they put we that they put on my grandmother and mother put them on the grave and stuff like that. And my grandmother never came back in a dream after we did that. Holy um, shit. So it was really creepy to hear and what I found more creepy was that so does this mean that you just kind of stay in the ground when you die or do you have neighbors where you're buried and are those neighbors like literally who you're buried next to? It was it made you think a lot about you know what the hell happens exactly or was it almost an objective given to my great-grandmother before she could move on so what happens is uh, were there souls like trapped in the ground really the more you think about this story so the more the afterlife, creepy it gets yeah the
0: afterlife became more mysterious and more oh horrifying. it just raised
1: more questions yeah that, yeah so that's pretty much the go-to story when i uh, am asked about supernatural encounters like that Here's a lighter question, Eric. It's Halloween night. Would you rather go to a big festive Halloween party like you see in the movies or would you rather spend all night trick-or-treating as whatever you'd like in that classic sort of Halloween neighborhood that you always see in the movies? Which one would you pick?
0: I would love to go to a festive Halloween party where everybody is dressed up, everybody is you know, having a good time, the town, village, party, is overly done in Halloween decorations. Um, there's punch to be had. There's candy to be shared. There's girls to be fucked. <laughs> I would love to experience you know,
1: that uh, full-on classic Hollywood Halloween party. And what would be your costume for life, your one Halloween costume for life? Perhaps you wear it to this party or whatever. This is it. This is your one costume. What would it be?
0: As of now, I'm thinking a... Dracula, Phantom of the Opera, costume because that kind of encapsulates kind of two things, one with a mask. Not I mean I just Phantom of the Opera because of the mask, but but Dra- Dracula because that was one of my first costumes ever. It would be a masked Dracula. But Chris, I want you to remember that we all wear masks sometimes,
1: metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically speaking, I would have to go with the party as well. Um, I love trick-or-treating. It's fun. I'd love to kind of revert to a child trick-or-treat for all night long. But when you talk about those big Halloween parties that you see in movies, it's like they just seem like so much fun to just mingle with people and to see all the costumes and the music and, and the festivities that are going on. I definitely would love to be a part of that. You
0: know, what would be
1: your your costume, though? What what costume would you forever don? Michael Myers. My Michael Myers costume. Without I, I don't even have to think about it. I was Michael Myers, like, I think three years, and I was Michael Myers again this year. You don't even have to do anything. Like, you could just literally just give them a look or tilt your head, and they're spooked by you. And it's wonderful. I love Michael Myers. It
0: was pure evil.
1: Uh, my final question for you, Eric, so we can roll out of here, because I'm hungry. What horror film would you want to be trapped in? Well, wow, that's an extra. question. You have to survive, maybe. I mean, if you don't want to. Let's not make it sexual. You, you have to you have to survive, and you have to come out alive. You know, you, you have the knowledge that you have now.
0: All right, Chris. I really think something that I would actually enjoy, something that would actually thrill me, would be being on the Orca in Jaws. It's my favorite movie, yeah, but can you imagine being with those cast of characters those people while hunting a great white shark that's actually hunting you you know it's the thrill of it is really really engaging okay here's my follow-up question of that what do you think quint would think of you he would appreciate me i believe because i i would be a uh, a yes man i would go out of my way to prove myself on that ship i've worked construction before my method during you know working with these like manly men i would do all the shitty work i would do the heavy lifting but i would never complain and or say anything what about tying the sheepshank i would uh ask dreyfus to do that one you know (laughs) because uh i don't have city hands mr hooper you got city hands mr hooper you've been counting money all your life All all right all right hey
1: i don't need this i don't need this working class hero crap
0: Chris, it was fun reminiscing about the days of the past and our interest with horror and this podcast and what kind of kicked us off into this direction.
1: I look forward to getting to know more about you, sweet pea. This was just a way to better know your ghouls, the hosts of the It's Alive podcast. And we hope you enjoyed delving and picking at our brains as we enjoyed picking at each other's brains. As always, this shock session always strikes between the dark days of regular episodes of the It's Alive podcast in which you could find at itsalivepodcast.com You can find us on social media
0: including Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, this has been yet another shock session with Chris and Eric.
1: Stay spooky my friends. Why did you have to have the last word? I don't.